Um, before we get started in our worship service, we do have a couple of announcements. Um, we had a wonderful youth rally here on Friday, and thankful for those who were able to either help out or uh, just come and support our youth in Section 4. It was a great time. And now we're looking forward to um, a combined youth rally on October 21st in Stevens Point. So it's going to be both Sections 4 and 5. So youth, please make plans to be there. This is going to be a great time. Our Wisconsin youth president, Brother Asude, is going to be the speaker. So you don't want to miss that. 7.30, Stevens Point. I'm more than happy to take everybody. I have plenty of room in my vehicle. Also, a reminder for the Tupelo Children's uh, Christmas, we're still taking um, offering for gift cards. Um, we want to be able to give $25 gift cards to each of those, as many children as possible. If you could have that in by December 4th, that'll be the deadline. Um, and just another note, um, we have lots of leftovers from Friday night. Uh, we have nachos and we have some desserts and some pop and water. Please stay after and enjoy some food with us. If you feel led to give a donation, we'll gladly accept it, but please, we don't want to throw this food away. Come on down. It's for everybody, donation or not. Come help us eat it up rather than throwing it away. All right? We'll have a great time of fellowship, right? The food, the fellowship, it's worth it. All right. Let's come and worship. Wherever I am, I'll praise Him. Whenever I can, I'll praise Him. For His love surrounds me like a sea. I'll praise the name of Jesus. Lift up the name of Jesus for the name of Jesus lifted me. Wherever I am, I'll praise Him. Whenever I can, I'll praise Him. For His love surrounds me like a sea. I'll praise the name of Jesus. Lift up the name of Jesus for the name of Jesus lifted me. Wherever I am, I'll praise Him. Whenever I can, I'll praise Him. For His love surrounds me like a sea. I'll praise the name of Jesus, lift up the name of Jesus, for the name of Jesus lifted me. Wherever I am, I'll praise Him whenever I can, I'll praise Him for His love surrounds me like a sea. 
I'll praise the name of Jesus, lift up the name of Jesus, for the name of Jesus lifted me. Wherever I am, I'll praise Him whenever I can. I'll praise Him for His love surrounds me like the sea. I'll praise the name of Jesus, lift up the name of Jesus for the name of Jesus lifted me. Wherever I am, I'll praise Him whenever I can. I'll praise Him for His love surrounds me like a sea. I'll praise the name of Jesus, lift up the name of Jesus for the name of Jesus lifted me. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, you deserve all the praise. Lord, wherever I am, I'm going to praise you. I will praise you with my words. I will praise you with my actions. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I will not let the rocks cry out. I will praise you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, we have come into this place to magnify your name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'll say yes, Lord, yes. To your will and to your way, I'll say yes, Lord, yes. I will trust you and obey when your spirit speaks to me. With my whole heart I'll agree and my answer will be yes. Lord, yes, I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey when your spirit speaks to me. With my whole heart I'll agree, and my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes. I will trust you and obey when your spirit speaks to me. With my whole heart I'll agree and my answer 
Lord, yes. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes. I will trust you and obey when your spirit speaks to me. With my whole heart I'll agree, and my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I will say yes, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Use me. I am a willing vessel, Lord. Use me for your glory. Lord, direct my steps. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just like we heard this morning, we need to be willing. We need to make ourselves available. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let's praise, let's praise, let's praise the Lord. Let's praise, let's praise, let's praise the Lord. He brought me out and set me free from this old world of misery. Let's praise. Let's praise the Lord. Let's praise, let's praise, let's praise the Lord. Let's praise, let's praise, let's praise the Lord. He brought me out and set me free from this old world of misery. Let's praise, let's praise the Lord. Let's praise, let's praise, let's praise the Lord. Let's praise, let's praise, let's praise the Lord. He brought me out and set me free from this old world of misery. Let's praise, let's praise the Lord. Come on, let's praise, let's praise, let's praise the Lord. Let's praise, let's praise, let's praise the Lord. He brought me out and set me free from this old world of misery. Let's praise, let's praise the Lord. Come on, let's praise, let's praise, let's praise the Lord. Let's praise, let's praise, let's praise the Lord. He brought me out and set me free from this old world of misery. Let's praise, let's praise the Lord. Come on, let's praise, let's praise, let's praise the Lord. Let's praise, let's praise, let's praise the Lord. 
He brought me out and set me free from this old world of misery. Let's praise, let's praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's do that this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. He is ever worthy, altogether worthy of our worship and of our praise. He has done everything for us. He's provided our every need. He loved us when we were unlovable. He suffered on a cross and died for us when we were His enemy. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship and we praise You today. We laud and we magnify You. You are our King, our Lord, our God, our Savior, our Redeemer. You are the lover of our soul, our ever-present help in time of need. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are all in all, our exceeding great reward. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. He's worthy. He's worthy of our worship. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I do worship You. I delight myself in You this morning. I rejoice in the God of my salvation today. Oh, hallelujah. I rejoice in the fact that You've accepted me. That You've purchased me with Your holy, precious blood. I rejoice in the fact that I am no longer who I was, but I am a child of the Most High God by the grace of God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. My hope is no longer in this world. It's in the world to come. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. He is so worthy. He's so worthy of our worship. He's so worthy of our praise. He has done exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think in our lives, in our midst. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank You, Lord, for who You are. Thank You, Lord Jesus, that because of what You've done, I don't have to remain the way I am. I can move forward in You. I can become Christ-like. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence here this morning. He's most assuredly here, church. The presence of God is in this place. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are so awesome, O oh God. Your presence overwhelms us. Your goodness and your mercy overtake us. They search us out, and we're overcome by them. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me, for your mercy, for your grace, for your continuing guidance, your presence in my life. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah, Jesus. 
Hallelujah, Jesus. What an awesome God. What an awesome God we serve, church. He's worthy of this and so much more. Whatever time we can spend in His presence, church, let's avail ourselves of this opportunity. He's here right now. Praise God. Praise God. What a desire the Lord has to spend time with His people. What an earnest desire the Almighty has to spend time with you and to spend time with me, to commune with us, to have fellowship with us. What a wonderful God. The more we discover about God, the more in all we become. The more overcome we are of His goodness and His, His mercy and His grace. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. God bless you. Thank you for spending time in God's presence. Pushing just a little bit. Amen. We go just a little bit farther in God and, and He comes running. He closes the great gap. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. You can be seated for just a moment. I just wanted to say one thing before we get into our message. Uh, Please be in prayer uh, for uh, your leadership team. Uh, we're going to be meeting this Saturday and, and uh, kind of going over the calendar for the year, getting all, everything organized. And one of the, one of the primary responsibilities we're going to have is to determine direction for the, for the year. And um, <clears throat> I, just, I would like all of us to be in prayer about that, that, that we discern the voice of God that it's God that remains the head of the church and that He's the one that's determining the direction. Uh, our responsibility is to determine what that is and then, and then present that and, and keep that in front of us and all of those things. But it's God that, that needs to determine that. Uh, all of us. All of us are, need to be submitted to the will and plan of God. Amen. And that's, that's all we desire. That's all we want is, is for the will of God to, to be manifest in our lives. Amen? Amen. So please be in prayer for that. Amen. I would very, very much appreciate that. Uh, we do covet earnestly your prayers in that matter. Amen. Our text today is going to be found in the book of Hebrew, chapter 5. We'll read the last few verses there, and then we'll move into Hebrews chapter 6. <clears throat> I'm getting used now to, to Brother DeMuth using some of my passages. I'm just going to have to just roll with that. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14, and then we'll go into Hebrews 6, verse 1. Verse 12 of Hebrews 5 starts off by saying, For when, for the time, you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. 
And then uh, chapter 6 and verse 1 says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. And I want to speak to you uh, for a few minutes, as the Lord wills, on this topic, stuck and how to get out. Stuck and how to get out. Amen. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful for all that you've done here in this service thus far. We look forward to the continuing move of God in our service and for the, the, the finish of what you desire to do here today, that all of your heart would be accomplished, that all of your mind would be manifest in this service today, and that your wondrous, glorious name would be glorified in our midst. And that these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Because that language is uh, just a little bit weird, I've decided to read the same verses in the ESV. Uh, it's a little bit easier to understand, and it, it makes some points a little bit clearer that I want to touch on today. Uh, so, verses 12 through 14 in the ESV says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and a faith toward God. Amen. It's God's will that we grow. It's God's will that we, uh, from wherever we're starting today, wherever we did start when we first came to the Lord, it's the will of God that we do not remain there. We're thankful for the growth that we've experienced. I know I am. I, I can see the distance that God has brought me, and I thank Him every day. And I give all, Him all the glory, because a lot of times it was kicking and screaming. Drug me, kicking and screaming, closer to Him. And I thank God for it. Later on, I can look back and say, oh yeah, that probably was the best thing for me. Yeah, that probably was the right way to go. I'm glad I, I'm glad I uh, submitted to the will and plan of God in that. <clears throat> but uh, I also see that I have a long ways to go. And I'm looking forward to, to moving forward in that. I'm thankful for where God brought me from, but I don't want to stay here. I want to keep growing. I want to keep moving closer to God, becoming more like Him. And that's the will and plan of God for everybody. I, I kind of appreciate, you know, when, when, when people talk about soul winning, and, and uh, Brother Muth is teaching us about Bible studies, and, and those are things that we ought to be doing, just naturally. Being filled with the Holy Ghost, all of those things, we understand that. But, uh, there's two things that uh, are sometimes missed in that whole discussion. And the first is, um, and, and Brother Newth touched on it, uh, and it was it, it's this idea of equipping and training. A lot of people, when they come to the Lord, they don't have a clue about anything. I know I didn't. I was born and raised a Lutheran. I went through catechism. I was confirmed. The whole nine yards. And I could pour all my Bible knowledge into a thimble. It wasn't a whole lot. 
So when I started going through a Bible study, uh, and I started read, I started, they talked about the tabernacle plan and types and shadows. I'm like, what is that? What's a type and a shadow? I had no clue about any of that. I was like, wow, really? That's what that is? That blew me away. Oh, I was hooked. I started digging into that stuff. I was like, what else didn't they tell me? And we kept going on, and I found out uh, almost all of it. Speaking in tongues, I'd never heard of that. Pentecost, never heard of that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can name all nine planets in order, but I, I couldn't spell that. Um, so... This continual process of growth is something all of us are on. And we need to be diligent and we need to be purposeful in that. We can't just expect to, to come to church on Sunday and on Wednesday and expect that's going to be enough. If I want to fulfill the plan of God for my life, more is going to be required. The Bible does say, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation. I'm responsible for my salvation with fear and trembling. Take it seriously. It's the most serious thing in my life, in your life, is eternity. And so, understanding what's at stake here, I can't just stay here. Why can't I just stay here? It's comfy here. I'm used to being here. This is good. This is, this is, this is okay. Why can't I just stay here? God loves me. I'm going to heaven. I feel like I'm saved right now. Why can't I just stay here? Well, a lot of people actually, whether they want to admit it or not, they decide, I'm going to stay right here because it's comfortable. I'm used to this. But the difference is, At some point in our lives, we've got, to, we've got to make the determination that just being saved isn't enough. I, and all to the grace of God, I passed that a long time ago. There was a time that's all I was worried about. Because I didn't have the Holy Ghost. I knew I needed the Holy Ghost. I was baptized. I was seeking it. I wasn't getting it. And I, I kept reading Romans 8. He that hath not the Spirit of Christ is none of His. I just, I couldn't get that out of my head. And I was like, that, I, was, I was staying up at night. I was sweating. I was stressed. I was worried about this. Maybe you think I was taking it seriously. I, I was taking that fact seriously. But I was in Eau Claire at the time. I wasn't going to church. Uh, I, I was reading my Bible. I was, I was studying that thing like crazy. But I wasn't going to church anywhere at the time. I just, I knew that. Anyway, I moved back down, did what I was supposed to do, what God told me to do, and then I got the Holy Ghost. So, praise God for that. But there was a point in my life, that's all I was concerned about was missing hell. And I think most people, when they come to the Lord, that's a concern for a lot of people. And rightly so. Nobody ought to want to go there. And so, as I... I missed hell. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus. 
But now, that's not going to keep me in church, is it? The fear of hell, the fear of punishment, the fear of damnation. That is sometimes a good motivator for people to come to the Lord, but that's not going to keep them there. Something more is going to be required. We've got to leave that off now. We've got to move on from there. Now I'm looking for a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now I'm looking forward to heaven. An eternity spent with Him. That's my desire. Now, not to miss hell. I, that's already settled. That's good. I'm, I'm good there. And th- I thank Him all the time. Because I don't want to go there. But that's not my concern. My concern is I don't want to miss an eternity with Jesus Christ. The one who loved me, loves me, the one who suffered on a cross and died for me. And so, these basic principles that got me into church, they got me into church. Thank you, Jesus. But they're not sufficient anymore. I need to move forward in that. And now, I'm looking for these, these ideas like, I have a ministry, I have a priesthood, and uh, God has a specific place for me in His body. I start learning about these things, and I'm like, okay, well, what, what, what does all that mean? What, what does that entail? And uh, I find out that all of us have a very specific calling. But we don't start there. The difference between being called and chosen. We're called right away to a, a ministry, but we don't enter that ministry sometimes for a long time. Because there's, there's a... There's a Huge preparatory phase, depending on the ministry. I can't just walk off the street and start preaching behind the pulpit. Well, I could, but it's generally not a good idea. Because who knows what that guy's going to preach. (laughs) It'd be interesting, I promise you that. I don't know how edifying it would be. And so... There's that process in our lives where where God lets us know, okay, this is what I've chosen for you. This is the life I have for you. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to submit yourself to me? Because if you say yes, now we're starting on a journey of growth. Of growth. And that growth is absolutely vital. If we're going to be the people God created us to be, Not the people that we are maybe at present. Certainly not the person I was when I first stepped through the Pentecostal doors. God loved me then. He had a purpose for me then. But He couldn't use me the way He wanted to back then. There was a long process involved, and I'm still on a process. I'm still learning and growing. And so are all of us. But the the farther along we progress through that, the more God is going to be able to use us. The more productive we're going to be in the kingdom of God. I could teach a Bible study as soon as I went through the Bible study. They encouraged us. Okay, you went through a Bible study, you go start teaching. And I did. Again, not bragging, but by the grace of God, I, had, I was working at two jobs at the time. I was working at a hardware store during the day and I was working full time at Taco Bell at night. I was young. I could still do that. (laughs) I doubt it would work today. But anyway, um, so uh, at Taco Bell, 
everyone, you know, I was, I was just doing what I knew how to do, telling people about the service and what God had done for me. And, and, and people were getting excited and they were calling me, you know, preacher. And, and I think one guy called me Bible thumper, which was fine. I, I'd never heard that before. I didn't know what that meant. So I was like, okay. Has Bible in it, so cool. <laughs> but in any case, um, I got I got a Bible study with my whole crew. The shift manager got excited about it, and she started promoting it. And at my church on Saturdays, I had everybody on my shift in a Bible study. It was awesome. And we, we I got to teach about nine solid lessons, and then the, the store manager caught wind of it, and Kind of put the kibosh on the whole thing because we can't be promoting stuff like that at the at the restaurant. Anyway, I didn't argue with him. I didn't know anything at the time, but so I was I was teaching Bible studies. They weren't very effective though, because my Bible study was basically reading it out of the manual a lot. They had questions. I'm like, great question. Let me get back to you on that. Are there any other questions? That's a good one, too. Let me write that down. And I just kind of, my way through it. Next Bible study I taught was a little bit better. I was growing. These questions, I was, I was getting answers to them. And that, that taught me. As I was studying to, to do a little bit better, maybe use the notes a little bit less, I was learning things. I tell you what, folks, you want to learn something? Teach it. Teach it. It is so powerful. You will learn more than your student will 99% of the time. It's amazing. But I had to keep growing. I couldn't stay where I was at. Just blah, 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 through a Bible study. Because that wasn't very effective. I had a lot of energy, a lot of excitement, no knowledge. A little bit of both is good. You know, a happy, happy center. A lot of zeal and a lot of knowledge. That sounds great. Here in Wisconsin, especially during the winter months, uh, we're going to see this probably more than we'd like to. <clears throat> it's a common occurrence for us to be driving, especially after a snowstorm, especially after the first one. And we see a lot of people who totally forgot how to drive in the snow. And they're all in the ditch, stuck, completely stuck. I've told some of you about this incident a few years ago. My wife would know the exact date and time and everything. I'm just, it's a few years ago. We took a vacation down to Arizona, and uh, our path kind of took us through Texas, and then we headed west along there into, into Arizona. Well, we hit a huge snowstorm, the, the exact thing we were trying to avoid by not going through the Colorado area. We figured it'd be snowy over there. It'd be great down here. Nope. It, it hit us in Texas, right in northern Texas. We got dumped on. They were closing the highways, so... We found a hotel, and we camped there for three days, right? Three days. Sometimes with power, sometimes without. But the thing I remember most about that was 
those Texans in their two-wheel drive trucks trying to get out of the parking lot. It was hilarious. They had no clue what to do with this stuff. They, one guy had a, borrowed this little itty-bitty broom from the, the hotel manager, and he was sweeping out under the, the truck, and he broke it, broke it right in half. So he, he was taking what was left trying to sweep. They were using their, uh, their floor mats, sticking it under there, and <laughs> it's squipping suit 30, 40 feet. One guy was trying to get a, a, a woman out, and uh, so you just get moving and then slam on the brake. <laughs> so the, the, guy, the guy's like, keep going, keep, get it going again, slam on the brake. He did that like five or six times, and then I, he finally gave up. I was going to go down there because I've been stuck before. I have a little experience on that, and, but I saw all of these Texans down there. They were all telling everyone else what to do, and I was like, no, I'm not going to jump in the middle of that testosterone pit. I'm just going to stay up here and observe from my window and laugh. And that was a good time for me. That was fun. <laughs> of course, they eventually all got out. and We had a four-wheel drive, so we just backed out and left. But uh, they were stuck. They were trying to free themselves. And they eventually figured it out. They got some combination of just brute force and, and luck. And they got everyone out. <clears throat> there, was, uh, there was one example also that I'm going to use uh, where... I, I was, I was the one stuck, and I could not get myself out. We were living in Galesville at the time in a farmhouse just, just below the hill as you go into Arcadia. There's a, there's a tamarack bar there. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Hopefully not inside, but just you know where it's at. <laughs> well, there was a house back there on a hill. That's where we used to live. And... Uh, so I was driving up, it's kind of a snake stop, and then come, comes around this way. Well, on this part, I slid off into the, it was like a pretty steep incline, into the brush, woods, and all that stuff. And the car was kind of like this. I crawled out the other side, and I'm like, well, it's a four-wheel drive truck, all-wheel drive, but I'm not getting out of here. I called the tow truck. One guy did some calculations, and he just chuckled, and then, uh, I can't do that. <laughs> I don't have the equipment to get that out. So I called another guy, and he decided he was going to try it. But we finally came up with this, this kind of weird contraption. He lifted his thing all the way up, and I had, I had a big uh, one-ton diesel truck at the time. And I had to tie my truck to his truck. And pull on that to keep that stabilized. And he basically, because the car was, it had slid right on top of a stump. I don't know how it did that. But the stump was, it didn't hit anything. But we couldn't just slide it out. We had to pick it up over the stump to get the thing. It was just weird. And yeah, yeah, we needed a, a Chinook is what we needed. <laughs> But he got it out eventually. 
But that was the case. There's no way I could have done it. I needed help. So we know that life is growth. If something is living, it's growing. We know that in an individual's life. We know that in the life of the church. And growth, uh, at least as far as the life of the church goes, there's two types of growth, and we want them both. We want qualitative and quantitative, or numerical and spiritual. Uh, We want to see both. We ought to be seeing new babies born into the church. But, uh, we also need to see growth in those new babies. And so, when we start talking about uh, soul... I can't remember the guy's name. Stanley Gleason, that's his name. He puts out this book about discipleship. It's, fat, it's an awesome book. And he's saying uh, things that I agree with 100%. Soul winning is an Old Testament term. You don't see it in the New Testament. What you do see in the New Testament is discipleship. Teaching, baptizing, teaching. Get someone to the point of, of repentance. God saves them, fills them with the Holy Ghost. And then more teaching. Bringing them on to maturity. And so, as we're thinking about new babies being born in and how exciting that is, um, when a lot of you had new babies, you didn't just give them to someone and start making more babies. Am I right? You probably kept them around for a while. Kept them in your home. Fed them, changed their diaper, trained them. Let's keep that in mind. Growth isn't just seeing a bunch of new babies born into the church. Somebody has to disciple those new babies. Somebody has to parent them, mentor them. Because they, and Brother DeMuth put it perfectly, we need to be equipped and trained so that we can bring people in and equip and train them so that they can go out and bring people in and equip and train them, etc., 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 that is exactly how this is supposed to work. We don't have a hundred soul revival and then, praise God, you'll grow. I did. <clears throat> Mm-mm. No sir, no ma'am, no how, no way. Not here. New converts are discipled here. They're trained here. They're equipped here. That is our purpose. Amen. So that growth ought to be taking place, both numerically and spiritually. Growth means change. And everybody loves change. People get excited about change. What changes? I mean, well, think about how you grew up. Think about how you thought about the world when you were five, six, seven years old. And how you, how you think about the world today. Probably a little bit of difference there. How we act on our emotions. I'll tell you how I acted on my emotions when I was a toddler. I just let them rip. I was hurt. I was hungry. I cried. I screamed. Give me food. Kiss my boo-boo. 
I'm a little bit more sophisticated today in my crying and screaming. <laughs> Hopefully. But I'm not going to cry and scream when I want food. I may grumble and complain a little bit. But uh, how I act on my emotions is way different than when I was a child. How we, how we make decisions. I remember when the biggest decision I had to make, the, the biggest responsibility I had was to make sure I was up at 5.30 on Saturday morning so I could watch cartoons. That was the, that was the, I took that seriously. I couldn't get up for school. I had to have mom and dad knock on my door for that. But I knew how to get up at 5.30 on Saturday. Because that was important to me. And I took that responsibility very seriously. I was up 5.30 because 6 o'clock I had to be ready. 6 o'clock the cartoon started. So at 5.30, me and my brother got up. We'd make cinnamon toast, four slices. Oh, yeah. I'm not sharing. <laughs> That's my toast. He got four of his own. Yeah, we'd go through a loaf pretty quick. But, uh, <laughs> and we'd sit down in front of the TV, big glass of milk, and we're ready. Ready to go. And a little bit later, we grab a bowl of cereal. Because toast, that leaves quick. But that was, that was the biggest responsibility I had. Are my responsibilities different today? Yeah, a little bit. And I've, I've told my kids, I still tell my kids, this is, the, this is the least amount of responsibility you're ever going to have in your life. This is the easiest it's going to be for you from here on out. Enjoy it while you can. Because it's only, it's only uphill from here. And, you know, when they were 15, 16-ish, they're like, oh, I can't wait until I'm 18. I'm going to get all these privileges, all of these. And my oldest son, even, even Ryan now, he's like, why did I say that? I don't like adulting. <laughs> well, <clears throat> how we respond to circumstances. Hopefully as our maturity levels increase, we become more mature. We, become from, we pass from childhood to adulthood. Our responses to difficulties and, and disappointments are a little bit more refined. They're a little bit more uh, mellow. Earlier in my life, when I would be disappointed, that would devastate me. I, had, I really wanted to do this. I wanted to go meet somewhere with my friends, and, and something came up, and Mom couldn't take me. That was devastating to me, and I was in a, I was in a slump for half the day. I remember that. But today, I mean, we have disappointments, we have setbacks, but we kind of almost, we, we don't want to expect them all the time, but we're not surprised when they do happen. That's life. It's a setback. We work around it. We've had experiences now where, where we can kind of look back on it. Well, this has happened before. 
we'll just shift gears. We'll move some things around and it, it'll, it'll work. Change comes by experience. Ours or someone else's. Now, it's a lot easier to gain experience from someone else. Read a book. Listen to a tape. Go to a seminar. Learn from other people's mistakes. That's the best way to learn. It's not always, unfortunately, the most effective way to learn. The most costly is to make the mistake yourself and then fix it. Work through it. That's the best way to learn because you typically don't make that mistake again. But unfortunately, it usually comes with a high price. Who here has ever been a new employee somewhere? You all remember your first day on the job? Wasn't that fun? Isn't that great? Being the guy that just knows absolutely nothing. And at least for me, I'm sure for you guys too, you don't, you don't want to be useless. You don't want to be uh, just a, a bump on a log. So, you know, you try to make yourself useful however you can. And about half the time that ends up setting someone back because you did something wrong or, or you bumped into something or you touched something you shouldn't have. And so you just start sitting there and, well, what do I do? I'm useless. I hate being the new guy. After a couple times of that, I just said, I'm just going to jump in and, and just learn, just do everything, touch everything, make all the mistakes I can make right now, get it over with, uh, look dumb. That actually shortened the process up. It's harder at first, but I wasn't the new guy for very long then. So that was good. But I hate being the new guy. I hate not knowing what to do. I was working for my brother for a while. And I'd been doing drywall for a long time, so I know how to do that. I'm very comfortable with drywall. Uh, but I don't, know how to, I don't know how to frame a house for the rapids. I've never done it. I've seen it done, but I've never done it myself. My brother, he's done everything else except drywall. So it was kind of a good team, but it was mostly the other stuff that we were doing. And I didn't have a clue. So I was like, hey, Scott, what do I do with this? Where do you want that? How do I cut this? Just basic stuff. It took me a little bit until I could consistently pound a straight nail. That's harder than it looks. <clears throat> Especially when you're... He didn't, have, he didn't have air tools. Just a nice fancy hammer and I had the, I had the Walmart claw hammer. Flathead, you know, no, no, not waffled or anything. <laughs> anyway, but experience is how we grow. That's how we learn. If we look at the difference between a spoiled brat and a disciplined child, the difference isn't personality. The difference is training. The spoiled brat. They've had everything handed to them. They've never been told no. They've never been disciplined. Everything they do is okay. So they do everything they want to do. The disciplined child, though, they've been told no. They've experienced setback and disappointment. And they've had to work through it. 
Someone who's had everything handed to them versus someone who's had to work hard for everything. You'll see a difference in them, especially when that person that's had everything come easy gets to a place where something is not easy now. They're not used to that. They, they have no experience to know what to do in that situation. So they, they walk away. They give up. The person who's had to work through that time and time again, okay, well, here we go again. Put their head down, their shoulder to the plow, and just start plowing forward. They've been here before. They know what to do. They know what's on the other side when they do get through. That experience is important. We are the people we are today, all of us, because of the experience and circumstances we've lived through. Some personality, a little bit hardwired, I'll grant you that. But a lot of it is experience. It's culture. It's, it's who raised us. The friends that we had. All of that contributed to who we are today. The easy times in our lives are the ones we like to remember. The times that we want to repeat. But they really had very little to do with defining who we are. Our character. They had little or nothing to do with who we are today. It's the hard times. The difficult situations that mold and forge and shape us into who we are. Brother DeMuth, Ephesians 4, 11, and 14, again. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. I'm going to say that again. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So we all come into, into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, or until we attain Christ's likeness, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Again, I'd like to read that in the ESV. It points out things that, again, I want to touch on. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Okay. Now, um, I'm going to touch more on this in later lessons, Lord willing, but I want it noted here, for the record, that one of the purposes of the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, that's not listed here is to grow a church. That's not listed here. When we see anything about people being added to the church, who's doing that? God is adding to the church. We'll see that in a couple places. Now, that doesn't let us off the hook by any means. We have responsibilities there as well. However, at the end of the day, it's God that adds to the church. Our responsibility is to disciple. That's it. We disciple. We disciple new converts. We disciple old converts. Wherever they're at. And make sure that they're equipped for ministry. All of us are ministers. We've heard that before, but all of us are not doing ministry. There's a reason for that. 
I have mentioned in passing a couple times that if and when you feel called to a specific ministry, I would like very much for you to come and talk with me about it, and we'll get you on a pathway to get there. It is my desire, church, and I say this with all the sincerity I can muster, it is my, it is my great and earnest desire that each and every one of you be more successful in ministry than me. We're building the kingdom of God. And we cannot build the kingdom of God until we become the people God wants us to be. We cannot become the people God wants us to be if we're content where we're at. Am I going to heaven if I stay right here? Maybe, possibly, let's say you are. You're going to be fruitless. You're not going to be productive, not the way God wants you to be. We need to continue to move forward on into perfection. God created us to be very specific beings. He has a picture in His mind when He looks at me of who He wants me to be. And I'm not there yet. But I want to get there. I want to be the person God sees me as. That's who I want to be. That's my, that's my ultimate desire in life is to be the person God sees me as. And I want you, all of you, to be the person God sees you as. Now that's going to take commitment from me and from you. That's going to take time and sacrifice from me and from you. I'm willing to do that. I, w I want to do that. It's my job. It's my passion. It's what I've been called to do. My purpose in life isn't to, to promote my ministry. If it needs promoting, I'm going to let God do that. My purpose is to promote your ministry. That's my purpose here. To promote your ministry. To grow you, to equip and train you. To be the people God wants you to be. The people He sees you as. That's, that's the will and plan of God. That's God's will for everybody. God supplies His church ministers and leaders to make sure that happens. And it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in five easy steps. We'll go through a 12-week Bible study, but we're not done then either. We're not done until Jesus says we're done. Until we're up there. Figuratively. So this process is something that we're going to commit to for the rest of our lives. To continue to allow God to equip and train and build up until we come to the measure of the fullness of the stature of Christ. That we move from childhood to maturity. That we move even from where we're at today. I'm not calling anyone here children. But from wherever we're at today, He wants us to move on. However, for one reason or another, we can find ourselves in a place where we're not growing like God wants us to. We can find ourselves stuck. Some would say, stuck in a rut. I've heard messages on that. 
I found a uh, quote. This man's name is a little bit lengthy, but I think it's profitable. A man by the name of Daryl Waugh. I think that's how you pronounce it. In a post called Suck in Your Past and Blocked from Your Future. He says this. Too many of us are stuck in the past while being blocked from our future. We all have a history. Some experiences bring back memories of joy, hope, love, and innocence. Other memories bring back feelings of cruelty, anger, sorrow, guilt, and resentment. Our experiences are as unique to us as we are individual. Nothing is perfectly replicated. With a path that is defined by pure happiness and success, continuing to move forward is simple. Life is wonderful. Let's keep rocking. I'll take more of the same, please. Life is grand. Rainbows and butterflies. That's not reality. This is the life of the sheltered. As pleasant as it sounds, living a charmed life by no means prepares you for the realities of life. Entitlement is toxic. Life will never just give. There's taxation on everything. What you receive must come at a price, be it your freedom, your integrity, your conscience, or your wallet. Life will make you pay the other side of the equation. It is an eternal truth. If anything too challenging comes along or our path is somehow modified, we get knocked off course. We're unprepared to withstand the turbulence. We're too easily defeated with no battle experience. We become irrational and full of anxiety and stress. We are incapable of being present. We cannot function accordingly. We need to face challenges in our life. We need the struggle and the inescapable resistance that real life presents for us to grow. Having lived these various challenging experiences, we're directed toward new goals, a new purpose, and our calling. The longer we stay dormant, continuing, continually trying to further reconcile our past, the less likely we are to move forward. He goes on to say, What we need to understand is that your purpose and your contribution won't directly inspire you. It's the actual process of beginning to work on your calling, regardless of how makeshift it is. That will become the genesis of your inspiration and momentum. The more we put into it, the more it becomes who we are. It begins to compound. It grows exponentially if you're willing to make the effort. Residing in the abyss of the past and fearing your future is akin to being immersed in quicksand. You're unable to move forward and you'll sink deeper by staying put. You must take action and move forward. You deserve to live. Amen. So we see the reality of that. If we're not looking at our own lives, we can see that that makes sense. So how do we know if we're stuck ourselves? There are four types of stories that people who are stuck tell themselves. As I've discovered, there may be more, but these will definitely be comprehensive enough for our purposes. The first type of story is the impossibility story. And it sounds something like this. I'm 50 years old, and I know I'd have to take a step back in order to make a change. I can't afford to change careers or do anything different. I have a mortgage to pay. All of these are career-focused type statements, but we'll apply them to our, our spiritual walk in just a moment. I haven't saved enough to have a financial cushion to give me the freedom to do what I want. My boss would never let me try out something new. My company doesn't allow people to take a sabbatical. I can't afford to pay for a coach to help me change careers. I'd have to do it all alone. The work is killing me, but I can't stop now. I'd never earn enough if I made changes. I'm too old to change careers. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. I thought about doing such and such, 
but it wouldn't work because of so-and-so. I'll do it in my 60s. That's the kind of thing people only do when they retire. People like me don't do things like that. We convince ourselves that any kind of change is impossible. The other kind of story is a blame story. We can blame them or we can blame me. My boss is a jerk. They don't want or value me or my skills. The company culture is wrong for me. The company is trying to run me into the ground. The clients constantly ask for more, but I've got nothing more to give. They're not treating us like human beings. They're just not listening. They just want to control me. They don't appreciate anything we do. I always wanted to be fill-in-the-blank, but my parents. I've lost my mojo. I have nothing left to give. I'm not the same fill-in-the-blank. After the divorce, after the accident, after the whatever. I don't have the skills they want. I don't fit in anymore. I shouldn't have bought this house. I shouldn't have sent the kids to private school. I shouldn't have spent money on that or this or the other. I can't give them what they're asking for. I'm not very good at this anymore. I'm just going through the motions, but my heart's not in it. Whatever the blame stories are, they keep you stuck in the past. They don't motivate you or help you to make changes, even tiny little ones. They just serve to keep you stuck. Invalidation stories. Sometimes we decide that we're wrong, or they're wrong, or our feelings are wrong, or their feelings are wrong. They shouldn't, dot, dot, dot. Any words that come after this are usually invalidation stories. They shouldn't treat us this way. They don't believe I'm the right person for the job. They wouldn't support me. They're stupid, cruel, uncaring, dictatorial, authoritarian, selfish, profit over people. Whatever you want to fill in. I don't have what it takes. I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm not doctor material. I don't have that kind of personality. It'd never work. I don't come from this or that background. It wouldn't work. I'm not clever enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not good enough. I don't have enough hair. You got too much hair. <laughs> Zero accountability stories. <laughs> Choosing to stay in a company, even if the work is deeply unsatisfying, because we need that stable income to pay the mortgage or the school fees or the big holidays or the second home or the boat or whatever. Thinking we're unable to choose our daily reactions to work situations. Are you unable to choose your daily reactions to work situations? Can you choose how you react to a situation? Of course we can. It may be a difficult choice to make, but you certainly can choose. I promise you, someone gave you $1 billion to keep a smile on your face as I was doing something horrible, burning your favorite clothes. Think of something awful. I don't know. <clears throat> You'd be able to keep a smile on your face. And it's not the billion dollars, it's the fact that you're motivated now to make a right choice. That's it. But it's still our choice to make. We have choices. Choosing to stay with a company whose values don't match ours long enough to get our bonus or payout. I'm not trying to give career advice here. I want to apply this spiritually. 
We tell ourselves these kinds of things too. I've told myself these kinds of things. But at the end of the day, folks, all we need to realize is that these are all excuses. Because at the end of the day, we need to realize what God's perfect will is for us. And that is for us to grow into ministry. The ministry that He has created us for. That's all we need to know. Everything else is just smoke and mirrors. It really is that simple. All of these complex scenarios and situations you may feel you need to come up with, uh, I guess, go ahead. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to come up against the Word of God. The Word of God says He wants us to grow. He's called people into my life and your life to make sure that that happens. How much more do we want? So how do we get unstuck? We need a desire to grow. God can give us that. If you don't have a desire, you're not going to make the commitment. You're not going to make the sacrifices necessary. But we need a desire. We need a desire to draw closer to God. If I may be so bold, that desire should be there just as much as a desire to witness should be there. It really should. The same Holy Ghost gives us both those desires. Having a desire to grow, we need to stop making excuses for ourselves. We need to stop making excuses for other people. There are situations, some worse than others, some more difficult to resolve than others. I'm not saying that. But at the end of the day, God is giving us the ability to work through those things. Maybe those situations are there for that very reason. So that we can have a chance to grow and learn something. Who knows? But we're not going to know until we start hitting it, start tackling it, start working through these things. There are situations in our own lives that God is going to reveal to us. In times of ease and prosperity, things are great. Man, I'm, my heart's good. My heart's good with God. I'm right. I'm, I'm moving forward. But then we hit a difficult spot, and before we know it, these things are coming out of us that we, where is that coming from? It may sound a little bit vulgar, but this isn't me saying it. It's Jeff Arnold saying it. <clears throat> he says it's like popping a zit. As long as there's no pressure, as long as there's no pressure applied to it, it stays just the way it is. You put a little pressure on it though, all kinds of nasty gunk comes out. And that's how we are sometimes. And we don't see that stuff in us until we get in that spot. God could just tell us, right? And we would just accept it, wouldn't we? Yeah. No, we wouldn't. No, that's not in there. This is good. We're good. <laughs> and here we go. <laughs> All right. So when we get in those situations, God reveals things to us. 
And it's only in those situations that God can reveal those to us, realistically speaking, because we're people, and we're not going to see it otherwise. Then, once, it's, once we're confronted with it, now God can start dealing with us about that. He can start working that out of us. We can repent of that. We can, we can ask God for help. Get this stuff out of me. And especially when we see it in that situation, we see how ugly and how nasty it is. Because that's how God sees it. It'll motivate us a little bit more to allow God to get rid of that. And then we grow and we move forward and we move closer to God. So we stop making excuses and we start moving forward. We commit to this. We commit to the the path that God has outlined for us. And we start doing it. We start listening to the voice of God. We start receiving direction from Him. And if He leads us through a difficult situation, we don't kick, we don't shirk, we don't struggle. We just, yes, Lord. Here we go. Time to grow. <clears throat> but the end result is worth it. The end result is, is a piece of gold refined seven times. The end result of someone profitable in ministry, profitable in the kingdom of God, used mightily of God. That's what we all want to be. That's what we, that's, we ought to want that, all of us. So we start trusting God. We start submitting to His process for your growth. And the final thing I'll say on that is, come talk with me. I want to do everything I can to help you move toward that, whatever that is. I would love everybody to stay right here and do ministry right here. I would love that, but that's probably not going to be the case. Sometimes God calls people and plants them somewhere else. And my responsibility is to get you ready to work there. That's it. Building the kingdom of God. We're building the kingdom of God. So please talk with me. Help me help you get to where God wants you to be. In conclusion, John 10.10 says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life. That they might have it more abundantly. That life can only be encountered. It can only be uh, experienced to the fullest extent as we move forward in Him. As we attain to the fullness of the stature of Christ. We can't allow ourselves to stay where we are. We must continue to grow, to move onward toward completion, fulfillment, perfection. Onward toward the ministry He created us to fulfill. Every service we we come to, every time we encounter His presence in prayer, every time we open the Word of God, that's an opportunity for us to encounter God. It's an opportunity for us to grow. Life is growth. Growth is change. Change comes through experience. The only meaningful circumstances we can experience are those that cause change, that bring us closer to perfection. As we continue to gain meaningful experience, we will become different people. We will change. The more we change, the more we grow. And if we're growing, then by every biblical definition, we're truly alive. Amen. Let's all stand. I'm going to ask that we all come to the front.
We'll spend just a little bit of time here. You have complete liberty to pray for whatever you want to pray for up here. Okay? You don't have to limit yourself to just what I'm asking. But, the one thing I do want you to pray for here at the altar is that if you don't know what God has created you for, if you don't know what purpose God had when He established you as a living being on the earth, then you need to know that. You need to be persuaded of that. If you already know your purpose, what God has created you to be, to do, then I want you to pray that God begins to move you on, gives you a desire to purpose in your heart, to commit to that. If we're going to make it to heaven at all, it's not going to be by accident. It's going to be on purpose. Added to that, if you're going to be the man or woman God created you to be, it won't be by accident. It will be because you purpose in your heart. God is perfect. He is perfectly willing and, and, and able to help you along with that. He wants to. But you've got to be a partner with that. He is not going to drag you kicking and screaming. I was joking when I said that. He'll honor whatever you want to do. But if you want that, you need to commit to it. You need to purpose in your heart. You need to be intentional with this. It's not going to come by accident. You're not going to wake up one day, Oh, look at this, I'm here. I made it. Now you're going to know. You're going to know. Because you've committed to it, you've sacrificed, you've paid the price. You've worked through everything that God needed you to work through. And now you're here. Amen. So let's pray one of these two prayers.